0: If you would, please open up with me in your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 3. Zechariah chapter 3. We've been in this sermon series for a little while now. Uh, a march through Haggai and now in Zechariah. Uh, if you all recall, while you're opening there to the Pew Bible, by the way, if you don't, uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, page 794. Uh, by the way, if you need a Bible, if you're visiting with us or not, if you need a Bible, a uh, take one. <laughs> y'all can have it. Uh, we'll give it to you. Just let us know. That way we can stick one back there. Uh, and so if you need one, take one. If y'all at home, viewing need one, we'll send you one. Just let us know. Uh, these pew Bibles and all the Bibles are for God's people and those who are desirous to learn more of God. But uh, while you're opening up there to, to Zechariah, remember that we are in this uh, a sermon series, Homecoming and Heart Checks. And I'll tell you what, I got a heart check this last week. You know, sometimes maybe y'all might be able to resonate. Uh, Maybe I'm just revealing something of myself. But, you know, you might have a week where you feel a little scrubbed, a little raw. Maybe some of your weaknesses were revealed either by yourself or by others or something like that. And you think, Lord, I've just got to pause and I've got to pray to you. Uh, it's It's a heart check. It's, it's, uh, sometimes Rebecca and I kind of jokingly, we'll, we'll call it a heartitude, right? Being kind of corny, but we need to have a better heartitude. We, sometimes our children need to have better heartitudes too, but uh, usually it's us, right? Uh, the Lord can work in that way. And, and, and really, it's most fitting uh, and it's most natural because as I was preparing uh, for this uh, sermon, for this proclamation from uh, the chapter uh, 3 of Zechariah, Uh, The main point became very apparent. It really was hand in hand with what I was experiencing. The main point is this. God takes real sin away from his people. This is a basic and foundational tenet of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. That God takes real sin away from his people. And when you hear it out loud, you say, of course, but when we live it, And when we interact with others, it is not so, of course. And it will be very good for us to see this word today. Let us go to the Lord in prayer uh, before we read God's word. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for a scrubbing. Thank you that you do make us clean by the Lord Jesus. And so now, Lord, would you do both? Would you scrub us raw? And would you help us to see the Lord Jesus and his work on our behalf? Even now, from Zechariah chapter 3. Your word... To us by a faithful servant. And so now Lord we pray it in Jesus name. Amen. This is Zechariah chapter 3 starting with verse 1. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest. Standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan. The Lord rebuke you O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head, So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts. And I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch, for behold, on the stone... ...that I have set before Joshua on a single stone with seven eyes. I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts. And I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. The grass withers and the flowers fade... But the word of the Lord, it stands and remains forever. Thanks be to God. And this is indeed a powerful word, uh, sometimes a popular word. A lot of people know this story, and sometimes that makes it a little harder to preach, right? So I hope that maybe as we look into this, well, we can suspend our popular view and see what the Lord might have for us in a fuller intention. Remember our main point. God takes real sin away from his people. Let's look at that with four points this morning. Accusations with merit. Number two, accusations acknowledged and removed. Number three, benefits of a constantly clean slate. And number four, how all of this is achieved in the first place. The good news of Jesus Christ. First, we will see accusations with merit Verses one two, and three. In this next vision of Zechariah, because remember, we're going vision by vision. That's where we've been, right? We keep seeing these different ones. Remember the angel with the ruler one time, and then poof, we're going over to a vision of Joshua, and then boom, we're going over here. We've got the horsemen over there in the myrtle. It's, it's all of these different visions that Zechariah is beholding and recording, all revealing the Lord. And so in this next vision, this one with Joshua the high priest, the stage is set with Joshua the high priest on one. Side and Satan the accuser on the other. Remember, Satan in Hebrew literally means accuser, accusation, the one accusing. Uh, Satan the accuser on the other, with God the Father standing in between. And a couple of things are very important from the get go as we see this vision. Number one, Joshua is the high priest. Which means in one sense that he stands as the most righteous person in the entire community of God. He is the people's representer in holiness. He was the one that had been instituted, duly ordained by God to be the holy one on behalf of his people. To sacrifice and intercede. And so, if he is accused, we are all accused. Accused, for no one is more righteous than the high priest who is fulfilling the office. Second, Satan is accusing Joshua for being dirty, which is signifying, as I mentioned with the children, unrighteousness and sin. In other words, doing the wrong thing in the eyes of God. Number three, Satan's accusations have merit. And we see that plainly in verse 3. That's the point, right? That accusations have merit. Uh, Verse 3 of our text in chapter 3. Now Joshua was standing before the angel clothed with filthy garments. So there is accusation happening, but they have merit. He really is dirty. And that's the fourth point. While filthy, pre-cleaning, the Lord rebukes Satan's accusations as if joshua were already clean even going so far as to say that he has removed him from the fire clearly representing judgment because of that filth in which he was found he was a brand right it's a burning piece of wood plucked the burning piece of wood out of the fire therefore uh keeping it away from being burnt up into ash so he's plucked from the fire he is he is saved he is removed but but this is happening while he is filthy still God takes real sin away from his people. But here's the thing. I have sin and you have sin. And there can always be accusations with merit made against us. Every single moment of every single day. There can be accusations with merit made against us for the wrong things that we are doing that's the concept and the basis of sin and that is the concept and the basis of the need of God to save us in the first place but can you really say that out loud and if you can are you simply paying lip service to it or does a statement like that mark your life a little bit because one of the marks that will come out of that is humility once we realize that we are not perfect in fact we are so far away from it that we need to cry out to the Lord all the more it drops us to our knees in humility and it allows us to see our brothers and our sisters in a new light even those ones who we might be saying they're sinning. <laughs> point the look at those sinners Right, that's the point. We are sinners, one and all, in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the first step of true belief in the gospel of Jesus, acknowledging that we have accusations of sin with merit in our lives. If you cannot do that, you do not believe in the fullness of the gospel of Jesus. Secondly, we also see accusations acknowledged and removed. So we've got accusations with merit, but now we see them acknowledged and removed by God. Verses 4 and 5, Satan has been rebuked already. Accusation from him, therefore, has been done away with. But the merit of the accusation remains. Joshua is still in dirty and real clothes. It's a fact. And it's even acknowledged by God through his messenger. Remove the filthy garments from him. In other words, he's really got them on. It wasn't, it wasn't, Satan has been lying to you, dear one. Do not believe him. No. Remove the filthy garments. They're on you. You are dirty. These garments were not snuck on him by Satan. They were not even sullied by Satan. These garments are dirty because of Joshua's own sinfulness. And they are now being removed by God's own righteousness. Behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you. And I will clothe you with pure vestments. In the blink of an eye, Joshua went from dirty to clean. From sinner to saint and it was by God's hand alone. God takes real sin away from his people can never be jumbled around to people take real sin away to please God. There's only one way that that sentence works and it's God working on behalf of his people. Only one way, it cannot be jumbled and yet we try to jumble it often in our spiritual lives and in our material ones truth be told thirdly there are benefits for a constantly clean slate which we see in verses six and seven it is true God takes real sin away from his people we're seeing that but then he tells us something more he tells us that there are benefits of him doing this for us Let me just walk through six benefits real quickly from verses 6 and 7. Benefit number one, if we take it generally, uh, verses 6 and 7 together, it's true uh, that we can have a relationship with God now where we stand in his presence rather than fall in judgment. Because God was the one who took away the things he would have judged us for. All of a sudden, we are in the presence of God without being obliterated, destroyed, or cast into hell. That's a big deal. Number one benefit, okay? That's it. That's the entirety of what the salvation narrative of scripture is about. And it's the same thing that is talked about over and over and over through every single one of God's servants and his people. Benefit number one. Benefit number two from verse six. We receive solemn assurance. If you want a definition for assurance, I just googled this one. It's pretty good. Dispelling any doubts. Making something certain to happen. Certainty. The angel, the messenger, solemnly assured. Benefit number three. God shows us his ways and we see this in verse sevens if you walk in my way a lot of times when we see something like that if you walk in my way our sinful nature takes over and say oh here we go again another rule to follow something we have going to have to do walk in God's ways but we must pause and we must fight against that interpretation because it is simply not true God has already taken all of our iniquity and sin away we are already standing in his presence clean and pure. Investments. It is not rule following to save us. It is rule following. Because we desire to obey the God who saves. The God who created. The God of the universe. And so when this God reveals his way. We rejoice. And we see God's ways in God's word. Which he has given us. And by the spirit we know. We have been also given a heart to for it, eyes to see it, and ears to hear it. This is good. Benefit number four, God gives us respect because he charges us to live a life After him, there are other ways that this could have gone down other ways that creator and creature could have Existed together, but God acknowledges his creation Us and in that acknowledgement comes a God-given Respect Isn't that incredible? That the creator of the universe would give you respect enough to charge you to do something in the first place. That's incredible. It's good and not bad. Respect that people so constantly desire in our world today. I got to get to the top. I got to make more money. I got to go after this. I got to go after that. If only this. If only that. If only I had control of this. If only this person wasn't here. I would have more and you won't ever say this unless you're by yourself in the dark recesses of your own mind. I would then have more respect. I would be more powerful. I would have more me, me, me and God says no you don't have to say that. I give you the respect that you need and deserve because of what Jesus has done for you. Powerful. Powerful benefit. Benefit number five. With respect comes, as I mentioned, true responsibility. Even going as far as verse sevens, to rule God's house and have charge of God's courts. It's incredible. Because of God's working on his people's behalf, his people now have the opportunity and privilege to work on behalf of God in deeply meaningful and lasting ways. And this is not, uh, you know, like sometimes my dad, when we would be doing like a project or something, he's like, all right, what can I get Jeremiah to do where he like won't break the thing that I'm trying to do, right? (laughs) You know, so it's like, could you go hammer like this piece of wood over onto this other one, it's very important for the project. (laughs) You know, it's like, the important part was that I wasn't hammering over here and breaking something, right? And it's like, yes, I mean, that's good, right? And that's investment, but uh, this is true and real responsibility that's meaningful and lasting for the kingdom. Wow, that's something other that God is giving. Benefit number six. Verse seven's the right of access. Did you notice that? What, what peculiar language. Verse, verse seven of our text. Uh, as you're moving through, you come to this last part. And I will give you the right of access among those who are, sta- uh, to, among those who are standing here. Wow. God confers a wonderful gift to God's people. And do you want to know what it is? It's God's people. It's God's people. When we are together, think about this. We are so disparate. In what other venue or place would these sitting here at Centennial and those worshiping via the live stream ever find themselves together in the first place? Second of all, when could we ever get together and be united in something? Secondly, never, (laughs) never. Apart from a work of the Lord where we are so deeply unified by his spirit that we can't help but gather together in spirit and in truth one faith, one baptism, one Lord, and we worship him. Incredible benefit that God has given us and one that we look over all the time and that we do not do justice to most of the time, especially when we seek to hinder, break, the body which can happen on purpose and on accident and it happens every single week y'all give me a call if you'd like to hear some examples of how we sometimes wander and stray Uh, but that doesn't change the fact that God gives us the right of access Through what he has done and what he is doing. Six benefits. Get this. From two verses of God's word. Now if you wanted to as an exercise extrapolate. And and think about all of the other benefits to be found. Just in verses 1 through 10 of chapter 3. Now take Zechariah chapters 1 through 3. Now go all the way through Zechariah. What about the Old Testament? How about the Old and New Testament? The benefits are... Bordering on infinite, because God is infinite, outside of time, conferring upon us blessing. That is a mind bender and one that is truly awesome in the fullest of senses. God takes real sin away from His people, and there are benefits that come from this constantly clean slate. Fourthly, God gives us the answer to how all of this is achieved. And it is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. 8, 9, and 10 of our passage this morning. Why does the high priest exist? Why do the people of God exist? A good answer It's one that maybe some of you are familiar with. It's almost cheesy, but it's so good that you can't help but say it. We exist to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And one way we glorify God is by revealing him and his works. Chapter 3, verse 8. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. They are a sign. The priests, the people of God, they are a sign, revealing something. We make a hard transition in verse 8. And you probably notice it, right, when we're reading. You're probably thinking in your mind, okay, I'm tracking. I'm tracking with the reading of God's Word. This sounds good. We're down to earth. This makes sense. Okay, Satan's accusing, but, you know, that's okay. You know, we're feeling this, right? And then, boom, you get a branch. You get a, uh, you get a rock. You get a rock with seven eyes, and it's like boom done, right? With a couple verses they, all right, you lost me. Right? It happens that fast. There's a huge transition, a hard transition in verse 8, into full salvation revelation. What we had in verses 1 through 7 was indeed salvation revelation through God's many instituted means and measures. We see things that are revealing Jesus. We see God's words. I'm going to take away your sin, okay? So it's it's explicit there too. But what we get is this hard transition that's so obvious to the ears. What we get is an unfiltered proclamation of the coming Lord Lord Jesus in prophecy let's march through some of those words that you heard because it's going to be very helpful and it's not going to be as confusing because Jesus is who the branch is Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1 and 2 there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Jesus is who the stone is. Daniel chapter two, verses 44 and 45. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it shall stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand. And that it broke in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. Listen to Daniel's words to King Nebuchadnezzar. The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. That is who the stone with seven eyes is, Jesus himself. In Revelation chapter 5, there is a question posed. Who is worthy to open the scrolls? John, the apostle, has seen a great vision of a heavenly throne room. And in this, uh, uh, in this king's hand is a scroll. And there is something there, but, but there is much weeping. No one can open the scroll. Revelation chapter 5 verses 5 and 6, and one of the elders said to me, weep no more, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns. And seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Even more, Revelation 5, verses 9 and 10, they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God, for every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom. Of who? Of priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth almost as if they were making decisions in the courtroom almost as if they were ruling as God has promised in Zechariah God says that the real sins of his people the iniquities of this land will be removed in a single day Jesus is the who that can do and did this in a single day. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 10 through 14, and by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once. who are being sanctified. God takes real sin away from his people through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what's being represented with those images. It is a reality of Jesus' prophecy of that which will come and for us has come and been completed. And that immense reality leads to a true spiritual rest. That humanity, that us, here, right now, that we are so desperate for. Uh, This last Bible verse, it's famous for a lot of different reasons. In in that day is verse 10. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. This uh, prophecy, this line, is actually mentioned in several of the prophets of the Old Testament. Uh, Somebody who's famous for saying it a ton is George Washington. George Washington, the first president, right? One of the greatest generals uh, of of really all time. When you think about what he did and his exploits, and not only on the battlefield, but also in the battlefield of politics and setting this thing up. And one of the biggest battles that he had, right, was to not become king. If you know the story, you know that people thought that there was no way the nation could survive without Washington. And Washington said, no, I think you got it. I think you've got it if you know anything about George Washington. He's been famous uh, recently because there's been uh, that Broadway play, uh, there's been shows. He's been in the popular media a ton lately. And one of the things that you always see is the immense burden placed upon his shoulder. Really, the whole country's burden for freedom upon this one man's shoulders. Will they make it? Will they survive? Will it be something that George Washington succeeds in or fails in? The stress level almost mentally broke him and yet it didn't and this If you looked it up, I tried to find where it was all at. Over 50 times it was attested that George Washington wrote this Bible verse. And those that are accompanying it in other places, he wouldn't really use a citation. But it was very clear. He said, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree. And there's a lot of interpretations of that. But there is one thing that must be certain. That in that day, after the Lord has worked, in other words, once in that single day, all iniquity is taken away then we will lay down our heavy burdens at the feet of the Lord and we will take a deep breath recognizing that God has done a work on our behalf because that is the gospel and that is exactly what George Washington did he went home to Mount Vernon he just left can you believe it one of the most powerful men of all time went home to sit under the vine and the fig tree rest rest for his soul rest from the works of man he is not savior and neither am i and neither are you and if we act like we are in word or in deed, we are in big trouble we can sometimes trick ourselves we can ignore the reality and think that we do not need rest that we do not need the gospel and we won't say it like that but we live it like that and it is dangerous and it will kill you spiritually and physically we must be those who see that day that day that the lord said it is finished that day that the curtain was torn in two that day that there was great rumblings and earthquake when jesus said into my hands i come into your hands i commend my spirit because jesus did a work that day paul says he took he took our sin nailed it right onto the cross just like that debt canceled i owe you no more Jesus has paid it all. That is the power of the gospel. That is the power of rest. And that is what we see. That God takes away real sin from his people. We must be those who don't pay lip service to that alone. We must be those. We must be Christians in this day. Who live that in humility. Because that is how the Lord works. May we be those this day who move forward in such ways. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the good news of the Lord Jesus. We thank you that we can have real rest. We can truly lay down our burdens. We don't have to act like it. We don't have to try harder. That when we confess and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are saved. And that from there we are given otherworldly, supernatural movement of power that we might live and serve after you. God, give us that opportunity. Give us the opportunity to share the gospel. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.